welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast. I am your host, Cody McBroom, the CEO of Tailored Coaching Method, a world-renowned online coaching company. This podcast is built to help you create a life by design. That's what the Tailored Life is. It's choosing to blaze your own path, make your own decisions, and create a life you desire. So in this podcast, you're going to learn ways to optimize your body, optimize your mind, optimize your relationships and optimize your business and career this is the podcast for personal development junkies and people who can't stop growing because they strive for more we are also going to bring on experts in every single field to teach you their own expertise so you're not only learning from me four days a week but I'm bringing other professionals in to teach you their principles too so if you love personal development and you constantly want to strive for more in life this is the podcast for you. Make sure you hit subscribe, send this to a friend that needs it, and keep listening to improve your life all around. And without any further ado, let's get into the Tailored Life Podcast. Today we have a super, super, super cool episode that I think you're really going to enjoy. It's extremely applicable, um, and it's going down a different path when it comes to nutrition. So today we have a celebrity slash professional performance chef, I guess you would call him. He is probably the most qualified uh, chef when it comes to strength training. So he is a certified strength and conditioning specialist. He has gone through the full master's degree to understand the body's physiology and true strength training, and then shifted gears to become a chef, and he has been on on television. He owns multiple restaurants in New York. He is the, a best-selling author of mo- multiple books. Um, he traveled the world with an Olympic athlete cooking every single meal for her so she could win gold medals. I mean, he is the real deal and he knows so, so much about both nutrition, training, and how to properly prepare food in order to maximize your results across the world. Um, so what we're going to dive into today is gut health, food's effect on the brain, what you need to know about digestion that I guarantee you are skipping out on and it is hurting your results more than you would realize. How to make food actually taste good. We talk about macros and micros and which one's actually more important. We talk about a lot. We talk about entrepreneurship, personal development. We get into his whole story. You guys are gonna love this episode. We go over so much content. Dan is a really, really interesting, really cool guy, an extremely nice dude. He has a lot of good content out there, which I'm gonna uh, drop in the description of this podcast. So, um, you're going to love it. I'll stop ranting now. If you like this episode, make sure you do me a huge favor. If you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. Make sure you hit the red alert so you can get notified every time we drop a new episode. If you're on iTunes, subscribe here so you can get notified every time we drop an episode here. Um, and anywhere else you're on this podcast, make sure you're subscribed so you listen to all the new episodes. If you like this show, take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram story, and tag myself and Dan. That's at Dan underscore Churchill. And mine is at Cody McBroom. We want to thank you for listening. We want to share it on our Instagrams as well. Now, Without any further ado, let's talk to the legend, Dan Churchill. All right, Dan. So I'm excited to have you on, man, because you are a new, uh, you're a new person to me in, in my life, quote unquote, because I haven't dug into a lot of your stuff until, I don't know if he's your assistant or whoever media person kind of reached out and talked to us. And then I was like, yeah, let me see what this guy's about. I was blown away. I was like, man, this guy is doing everything. And, and the cool thing <laughs> is, I mean, number one, I'm a foodie. I've always been a foodie, but you take a much different approach. Like, like I don't look at you and think like, oh, he's a chef. Like, I think he's an author and an entrepreneur and a podcaster and a content creator. And even I get this like personal development, spiritual kind of vibe from it all too. Uh, it sounds like you're a world traveler. So I'm excited for this podcast, man. I think you have a very interesting story and I'm, I'm excited to dive into things. So uh, before we do, and I start kind of picking your brain, fill us in, uh, the audience in who you are and, and, and essentially like how you got where you are today. What are you doing? Yeah, man. Appreciate it, dude. And uh, first off to all your listeners, Cody, like a 
I've been listening to your your show for a bit uh, after we got connected, and it's it's awesome, man. It's an understandable reason why you built such an awesome community now online as well. So, uh, a lot of the content that we're probably going to discuss today is the stuff that I listen to about on your podcast as well. But like for me, man, I uh, probably similar to you. Like I've always been fascinated by the world of wellness and health. And growing up in Sydney's northern beaches, I was very lucky to have. Um, I, I, I guess a beach at my disposal and as a result you're always outdoors right you're always active in some capacity and cooking to me was more of a family thing never was professional um, I used to watch people on TV do it and it was pretty cool but I was always a rugby player I loved that kind of side of things and you know in Australia you've got this very lackadaisical chill way of doing everything like especially where I was from I pretty much wear board shorts everywhere that's it like you'd go to the gym and you wear board shorts the gym would be half outside it it was pretty funny but anyway I I think the course of my life I realized that food had a connection with me because I obviously wanted to uh, move right and support myself but not really knowing the specifics behind it just yet I just love the cooking and making sure I was eating real food at a young age never went to fast food outlets I was always just cooking my own food and from that, a lot of my mates became uh, interested quite uh, coincidentally because their girlfriends were interested. And so I, as a result, I kind of gave them a couple of recipes, look after themselves and uh, get some brownie points in. And uh, after doing some studies, so I finished high school and went and did my master's degree in exercise science and nutrition. I realized a real knack and understanding of this world of human physiology, how our body works, how it's uh, everything from the movement right down to the breaking everything down that we put inside of it. And so when I was uh, working as an intern, as a strength conditioning coach, and then became an SNC with these codes in Australia, I realized that there's a huge disconnect from athletes to the way the nutritionists at the time were able to uh, essentially send them information and provide them information on how to look after themselves through their food. Now, you and I know when a nutritionist is speaking to an athlete, we know what they're talking about. The athlete sometimes doesn't, right? Less so these days, but it sometimes can be quite a, uh, I guess, a barrier. And so what my job became was taking that information and making it very relatable for them to understand, but then also break it down and actually apply it. You and I are all about applied information. And so that application was what I became. And so I took that and started writing more recipes for these athletes and my friends and I ended up writing a book and I self-published it. I self-published my second book. And over time, I built a brand, um, did media, TV. And uh, that eventually got me a book deal in the States. Um, in that time, I jumped into restaurants for a few years and worked my way up from a dishwasher right up through to being the chef. And I brought that myself to America and I'm um, very blessed to be consistent with my brand to the point that I've worked with like, like Under Armour, Athletic Green Center and... Uh, yeah, launched uh, launched my restaurant over here. My my brand as a performance chef. I love it, dude. It, how? At what point? I mean, I have a two two full question. At what point was it like? Yes, I'm gonna do this chef thing. And how did you stick with that vision? Because it's pretty crazy to think like, one, I didn't know that you had that degree and that you went that far into strength and conditioning, which is makes the your role as a chef, especially a performance chef, that much more credible and respectable, which is really cool, man. Uh, but at what point did you decide to like, what was the thing that made you really shift gears and how did you stick with that? Cause for a lot of people, and one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today was really like f- turning your passion into a career. Cause I think that's where a lot of people get stuck, right? How do you do that? And it's a long, it doesn't happen overnight, right? It's a long process and you're already a strength and conditioning coach. You're already certified and educated. 
and then you decide to become a dishwasher, right? And work your way up that route to become a shit. Like that's fucking amazing, dude. But how long did that take? And, and what allowed you to just stay consistent with that vision? Yeah, great question. So I, I guess, um, so when I left high school, I became a PT. So I was a personal trainer through the day and then I do my university degree. So I learned to help people uh, through their movement be uh, be happier essentially right so from the age from like 18 to 20 i was doing that and then then with my master's degree as i was saying i became that snc coach but it was actually throughout that snc period that i realized that whilst i'd been cooking for a long time when i could apply it but by day i was an snc coach by night i was being that dishwasher and so like i realized there's going to have to be a point where i make a decision and it's pretty natural right i think specifically when we're so young like like what you and i are young now but like even back then you're so young and so you can always be naive sometimes but i've always i left high school not knowing what i wanted to do but knew that going into sport was something i loved and i knew if i did something i loved i would give it all and i'm a passionate person and so that as the passion would be the thing that drives me and makes people attracted to the things that i do and want to be talking about so i think it was at a point where i'm like okay i'm washing dishes I love this. I love learning, but I know this at the end of the day that I'm not going to be the person who is just doing this. I know this is going to help me research for myself to help take what I do already daily, but do it for food. And it was at the point where I essentially wrote my book and sold out within two weeks of my self-published book that I was like, okay, shit, I really have to double down on this because you can't do everything. You and I do a lot, but we can't do everything. And we realize every day we're like, shit, I gotta start saying no stuff. And when you start saying no and you focus on something, that is key. And you mentioned a really good point, dude. Like I, you and I do what we love and we're so passionate and so stoked to have been doing this. And I, I'd say like, there's still this consistent nature of doing what you love is, um, is great. You can do what you love and have it as a hobby. To have it as a profession is a different thing and you got to be good at it admittedly but also you just got to work hard you got to have an ethic to work hard like what what's the difference between getting somewhere is honestly the amount of work you put in and some people come sooner rather than later but whatever it is it's just about working hard are there any practices you use along the way for being able to work hard but but self-improvement in general personal development i think this is always something i like to, to ask entrepreneurs in general but especially somebody who is focused on both sides of health uh, I, i've seen you talking it was maybe it was through your podcast but just mental health and, and productivity and things like that but also success financial health business health and also obviously physical health being an athlete and a trainer how, how are you like, what are you doing on a daily to keep all this shit together? Because I think that's where a lot of people will get bogged down too. you talked about like focusing on one thing. And, and I'll admit, I'm guilty of this at times. You focus on one thing so hard that you neglect everything else, right? And then that becomes an issue of like, oh, shit, I got to focus on here. And then you forget about the one thing. And it's like this, this, this tug of war. Um, do you have any daily practices, anything you've picked up from the, the celebrities, athletes, people you've worked with along the way that have kind of stuck? Yeah, man, I, uh, I have. And I think like there's, there's morning routines and I, I think morning routines great for me. It's almost like, it's a very selfish thing to give yourself time throughout the day, whenever it is. And I know mentally for me, if I, for example, if I don't go to the gym, whilst I may not go to the gym, if I, I think the gym aspect is time for me. And I, I, I think that that's the most important practice for my day. So in the morning I get up and I have a coffee black and I read. And that's, it's more than learning and putting and staring at pages. 
it's for me and myself to feel like no matter what happens today, I have I've accomplished something for me, right? When I miss that moment in some capacity, I, I feel throughout the day, it's, it's a mental of like, I, I, fr I frustrate myself. Now, like looking at themselves, working out, eating, you know, obviously I go to the gym to mentally look after myself. I really do. Physical is a byproduct of it. Food, I love eating. So like that's, that's uh, you know, that's not a problem. I love eating good food. But it, in answer to your question, man, I think I always have um, been fascinated by not even just athletes, high performers in general. They give themselves time of day for them so that they can give their all to everybody else. And I, I had to, you have to have sometimes hard conversations with the people you love. And like, I can't do this. I need to look after me for a second because if we have a conversation right now or if we want to get into an argument, I'm not going to give you my all. Same thing with my partner. Like she's amazing. And sometimes I, I'm like, babe, I really need to, need to go do me for a second because if I don't, I'm not going to be the best person for us. And that's the way it is. And I think it's the way for my team here. It's, it's uh, absolutely everything else. So I think one thing I'd always say is put your mask on first before you look after someone else. Otherwise you can't do it. I love that idea. I think it's it's funny because it's such a cheesy saying with the whole airplane analogy, you know, mm -hmm. but there's nothing better than that. There's no better analogy for that. And, it, and I can totally relate to that because I even do it with my daughter. Like when we have daddy daughter days or it's a weekend when it's just me and her. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm like, I have to wake up way earlier, even though it's my weekend to sleep in because I need to do me before I'm with her yeah. and I can give her all. And the same goes to my wife too. So I totally get that. Um, kind of shifting gears and going back to your journey, uh, along that way at some point you became like a quote-unquote celebrity chef right you've been on some impressive tv shows obviously you have your books and everything um i believe i don't know how long but you were you were with an olympian for a long time i don't know what you were doing with her as far as like the meals and all that stuff but i'd love for you to kind of dive into at what point did all that happen and were you already running the businesses and they were able to kind of run themselves or was this before the businesses how did that the, the restaurant stuff like that how did that come about that's great, man. So like within about, a, so I got to America within about a year um, and you're starting again, right? I'm in a new country, starting completely from scratch again. I had my book, but I had nothing else really going for me. So I think the most important thing that I would teach people about if you're doing anyone, everyone has a, a personal brand, by the way, whether or not you're in profile or not, but your personal brand is just be consistent with it. And if you're doing, if you are doing content, just put out your content consistently. And that's what I did. Because over time, I was just putting out content, whether it be on Instagram, social, blogs, YouTube, whatever it is, people were being drawn to my consistency and places like Under Armour or companies like Under Armour really noticed what I was doing and I could add value to them. And so that was kind of big tick for me was when they approached me and asked me to be the chef for Lindsay Vonn. So Lindsay Vonn's the most winningest downhill skier of all time. She's an awesome American Olympian, gold medalist. And so she was going to be... Uh, at her final Olympics in Pyeongchang in Korea. And so I had to uh, make sure that everything she had for herself at that Olympics was on fire. And also the same thing for leading up to, and it's interesting, like that was a really interesting approach for me because you know, when you feel like you were born to be somebody for something at a particular moment, mm -hmm. I feel like there is no one in this world who's done the degrees that I've had as a strength and conditioning coach can understand the athletic environment, like respect. You know, like there's a difference between being amongst it, but actually respect what it's like to be in that coaching environment, but then also apply it from a food perspective that uh, you know, is pretty unique. And it was, it was a very awesome feeling. And so leading up to that, uh, Lindsay and I got to know each other. I got to understand her gut a little bit better. Uh, and then we had two weeks in, uh, we had two weeks leading into, and then we had the week at the Olympics together. And then, 
we continue to work together even after that world championship sweden to this day become really good friends one of, a very good friend of mine uh, and she's one of the athletes i've been fortunate to work with and she's been a great case study for me and along those lines i also launched a restaurant i launched my uh, pod my, my i guess my media company because of all this stuff that was going on I was able to garner interest in that media platform and I built a team around that that allowed me to kind of, you know, do what it is that same what you do. You have your little respective awesome teams and the restaurant, I've got a really good foundation team there. So um, I, I launched a restaurant that two years, maybe, well, three years being into two, uh, two years being into uh, America. And uh, I think within about also around the same time, I launched my podcast, uh, launched my media company, which became my podcast, all my content and production stuff too. This is a kind of a statement, but kind of a question. I'm curious if you know the answer to this. You might be the only like well-known chef that has the credentials in the strength world that you do. Is that, would that, is that an accurate statement? Oh, bro. Like I, uh, as an Australian, the answer to that as an Aussie, the way you answer that is like, oh, I'm sure there's other people out there, you know, but um, <laughs> because we're very like, have this blue like we call this thing tall poppy syndrome where you're never meant to think big of yourself or anything like that but like accurately i'm sure there are but i don't know of any and and that's pretty much like i don't know anyone who's done a master's degree in the human physiology realm who also knows so much about the gut who then actually can apply it through being a professional chef and that's that's a very unique opportunity for me uh, but it also puts responsibility on me as well, right? It's like, you know, like, I love it. I really do. So I think that's my future is that. And that's really exciting. That's the extremely humble answer. But I'm going I'm <laughs> to stop and say, fuck yeah. I think he is. As, as an <laughs> you going to be my cheerleader? You going to yeah. be my cheerleader? I like that, uh, it's, right? <laughs> yeah, dude, it's funny because we right before the podcast, we we're me and my media guy, uh, who's on the, he's on the mic with us right now listening in. Um, we were just talking about how, we love Australians because you guys are like literally the most polite people we've ever met. I have a few buddies that like own gyms and trainers and stuff down there that I talk to. And every time I talk Sick. to them, they could say something kind of crude and it just doesn't sound crude. I'm like, man, that's the nicest way you could have possibly said that. Cause I would sound like a dick saying that. So I appreciate that answer, but, um, but no, man, I think, I think it's, it's really cool. I think it allows you to do something so unique in your field. It's really, really cool. When you work with athletes such as her or, or any athletes in general, like, what are your priorities? What are your focuses? Because, you know, I think most people think of chefs, number one, they think of taste, right? Usually, you know, we, we, we've had a, uh, actually just recently for Valentine's Day, we had a private chef come to our house, all about taste. He's not worried about our health, right? It's just taste. And that's what it was for. But when I think of fueling an athlete or an entrepreneur or somebody I'm working with, it's the opposite of that. And I'm not a chef, but when I'm detailing out one of my high profile clients diet, taste is not on my agenda. One, because I don't know it <laughs> like you do, but how, like, what are the other priorities you focusing on? And then we can kind of circle back and figure out how to make it actually taste good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great question. It's, it's, it's a lot like, uh, I, I look like this. I'm like, okay, well, I'm essentially creating, um, my own brief. Right. So I always, when I ever get a, a client like this, the most important thing is their happiness to me. And I know that sounds really unique, but if you think about the day and the stressful environment of being an athlete, particularly at a high performance environment, such as say the Olympics or a world championship, their whole day is so stressful trying to be training for the performance of their lifetime to get that gold medal, whatever it is. So the other times of the day they're to eat, right? They're amongst their team who become their family. And so I have this feeling of like, well, whilst taste is important, nutrition is important. At the end of the day, I feel that it is so important for them to have that moment of clarity and mental stability and the emotional satisfaction you get from eating food. So I would say that the most important thing I initially focus on is time of day 
eating and then what that's going to bring from an emotional standpoint, serotonin, endorphins, all those kind of amazing uh, neurotransmitters and hormones are going to do their job. After that, I then look at their gut breakdown. So I assess what they've been doing in a lead up and where their gut is right now digestively and what times of day they're already consistent at, what their bowel movements are like. I actually get into depth in these kind of things and I understand a little bit further about them and the individual. I also find out what their likes and dislikes are. Believe it or not, it's very important to hit their likes, even if their dislikes are things that you think are nutritionally meant to be the right way. Again, if you are in a stressful environment and then you go eat, when it's meant to be the most enjoyable part of your day, away from all the, you know, the, the intensity and you have something you don't like, it's like it fucks up your day. At least that's why I look at it anyway. And then, look, I think when it comes to taste, bro, at the end of the day, I'm, I make it tasty, right? Like I know, I know how to season correctly. I know how to make things balanced. And that's, that's what the actual aspect of the chef is. So there's the nutritional the part, like the gut part, the nutritional part, and also the mental state that are all combined to one. In the day, if it's tasty, it's going to do a wonderful thing of coming back right around to creating that ultimate happiness. Is there ever a point, like I got to imagine there is obviously, um, and I'd love to dive after this into the, the neurotransmitter hormone, like how you're focusing on those things. I think that's an interesting topic and in, in way to look at it. Uh, is there like, do these people come to you? Like, here's my macros. Like I need to, cause you know, an athlete typically is, you know, high protein, high carb, like typical athlete. Right. Or are they like, I don't, I don't do any, like, just do it. And you're like, okay, I need to take charge of this. What are you eating outside of the meals I provide? And what's your activity? And are you diving into that side of the coaching as well? Yeah, it depends on the individual, man. Like I've got athletes who, um, who provide me with the, the full breakdown of everything that was going on. I have athletes who send me the other side of it where they're like, this is what I was doing, but I want you to kind of create my own. And I think that's important to register as anybody, even listening right now, that the most important thing that you understand is that bio-individuality is a huge term that we should all feel so comfortable with. And that is simply put that it doesn't matter what, you know, your best mate, your sister, your twin is having food-wise and it works for them. It doesn't matter because whatever works for you is what works for you. And so if I'm looking at someone, that, that includes nutritionally and also brief-wise. Just to kind of pivot on the brief part, some people don't like trying to hit their macros because if they try to do that, they, they feel like they're working towards a regime, right? Whereas other people like the structure. They're like, I want to make sure I'm hitting this every day. I'm a structured person. And so, again, you, you've got to balance out what's nutritionally viable plus looking after their mental state. And it is so important you do so. So I guess to answer your question, I like it when I get a brief from an athlete just because I, um, I like it when they know what, what their direction is. In saying that that brief can be anything and I'm not opposed to someone coming to me going, hey, Dan, your expert, tell me what I should be having. Uh, and, I'm, and then generally it's like a lead-in time. I'm like, okay, it's going to take two to three weeks to analyze, another two to three weeks to start building, another two to three weeks to come up fully uh you know build out i mean that makes total sense and, and I, like even as a nutrition coach myself I, the more info i get from somebody starting out the better you know sometimes we get people they're like oh i don't track i eat well it's like okay define eat well what does that even mean and usually it's not really eating well <laughs> and then there's other people that come to us with a spreadsheet of six months of data and it's like holy shit you got a lot from me so totally get where you come from that and i think that's it, it's important like as cheesy as another cheesy analogy i always say it's like a gps like you really can't get anybody where you want them to be truly unless you know where they're at right now so i can respect that um you have mentioned when, go ahead sorry i was just gonna say when when that happens to you bro like when when you get that breakdown 
and do you, do you personally prefer more detail? Because sometimes, and this is just from experience, the more detail, they're very much fixed in their ways. And there's nothing wrong with that. But then it's sometimes harder for you as an individual, as a coach to be like, well, that's not, that's not actually the best way to do it, right? Yeah, 100%. I could, I think, you know, I think this is where, like, I don't know if you've heard of motivational interviewing, but this is where this kind of comes in, right? The psychology of it is like behavior change and, and, and changing somebody's worldview, which is really just the way they see things can be very difficult. So I get what you mean. Sometimes there's the people that come to me with all that data and it's like, oh shit, we're going to have to have a couple conversations of really trying to educate them and opening their eyes to a different path. Um, I've also had other people that they're like, I have all this data, but I don't know what the fuck to do with it. And those people are perfect. Cause I'm like, okay, you're looking for direction. You've already admitted and accepted that you don't know the route and you will allow me to show you that. Absolutely. You know, um, you, you mentioned neurotransmitters with, with the diet is one of the first things that you really talked about was like, uh, the feeling of, of, you know, I, I think for me, when I think of like feeling, when you first said that, like, that's your first priority is how they feel, um, kind of like happiness of them some down. To me, what I think of is the smell, the environment, you know, my, like what happened before going to the meal, because obviously if, if everything around you is in good spirits, the smell, you can smell it cooking, that usually creates a feeling for me, but you even, it sounded like you were even alluding to the ingredients helping people's brain function and these neurotransmitters and stuff like that, which obviously affect your mood and your stress and all those things. Um, explain that, like, just go into that. Cause I think that's such a cool topic that I've never heard a chef talk about. Yeah, bro, this is, uh, this is a truly exciting thing. And this in itself is uh, another podcast um, to be extended because the world of the gut and hormones is amazing. So our gut is effectively a second brain. It's connected to the brain specifically by a nerve known as the vagus nerve, but it's also got a number of different ways that we actually communicate. So like the brain helps communicate between both the gut, the brain, and the body. So what we put into our gut in some capacity has an impact on the way that our brain functions. So to answer the question is we have all these neurotransmitters and hormones that are sent around the body as messengers to help activate certain things. You need to, you know, make sure that you got sugar in the blood, you need to take that sugar and put it into the muscle. We talked about insulin before on your podcast. And, and that's just one example. So the role of the gut is many things, but one thing it does is help break down. And that's actually also the place of where our gut microbiome are. So prebiotics, which are dietary fiber or resistant starch are uh, broken down by our good probiotics. And those probiotics then results have a postbiotic. Now, postbiotics are short chain fatty acids. So pre plus pro equals post. And postbiotics are then used throughout the body, such as in our brain that help, you know, defy the blood brain barrier. So the blood brain barrier is where like, uh, the best way to put it is like a security guard that's allowing things or not things to come in and out of. So with this in mind, why it's important to have enough prebiotics and then obviously support our good bacteria and leading to those things such as the short chain fatty acids is it also has an effect on how our emotions then result in everything else that triggers those, those hormones. So for example, if you're feeling terrible, you are not generally that hungry. And that's because you are suppressed your appetite as a result of something your brain is emotionally saying. Right, so when we do the same thing conversely, when you're happy, you die, you actually trigger the right digestive enzymes, and so it's why it's really important for us to 
be elated and in a good mood when we're actually eating. And that's why that happy moment isn't just like, I'm going to shovel food in, I'm stressed. It's actually the fact that I'm going to be sitting down, enjoying my food, and ultimately that's it. You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm really relaxed and enjoyable. So your hormones play a key role in sending messages to split things on and off around your body and your gut is help how you help send messages to your, to your brain to activate those hormones. And it's so important that when we actually eat the right foods, it feeds the gut to tell and trigger the right hormones to do their job also. So inadvertently, it's, there's a long-winded way of doing it, but by looking after the gut, you look after the brain, which looks after the right hormones, and then you release all these endorphins, serotonin, which is your happy hormone, oxytocin, all these wonderful, beautiful hormones that we require for many systems in our body to do the right thing. Super, super interesting topic, man. You, you, thinking about like people rushing and eating, I, I think about uh, people complaining about digestive issues, bloating, gas, mm-hmm. things like that. And a lot of times, even even for people like me, the first thing to think of is like, well, let me see what you're eating because usually an elimination protocol might be the best route. But you're saying mm-hmm. it could even be that people are almost going through their meals too quick or rushing or not, maybe not even chewing enough. Like there's that whole thing of like setting your fork down between each bite, you know, just to like slow <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good point, dude. Is this like, true? Cause like you meant to, you meant to though. Like, because the process of eating is actually like, as you were eating, as you were chewing, you were doing a process called mastication. That in itself releases enzymes into the food to help break it down. But at that same point, it's triggering your body, your gut to start building up its digestive enzymes. And so if you do this part too quickly, the first part of chewing too quickly, you don't put the fork down as you were saying, all of a sudden you're not, you're not actually instigating those other triggers. And then therefore it gets to the gut and all of a sudden the food can't be broken down and we have irritable out issues. And ultimately those listening in right now, I'm sure like they can all relate to this one. It's not how much proteins, fats and carbs you're actually putting into your body or micronutrients for that matter. It's how much your body can actually absorb. So, you know, I don't know about you, Cody, but if I'm taking on, say, 20 grams of protein, I'd rather have that 20 grams of protein all absorbed as opposed to taking on 60 grams and only 20 grams. Firstly, I'm wasting money on 40 grams, but also I'm doing a lot of work to my kidneys. And so I don't want to be doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is this this a potential route for eliminating probiotic and digestive enzyme supplementation as well? Because a lot of people, again, the lazy route, but a lot of people think, oh, well, I have digestive issues. I'll just buy a digestive enzyme or I'll just buy a probiotic. Yet you're saying they might not even be creating the natural ones in their body like they should be. Yeah, look, I'm a big fan of before supplementation, you exhaust every avenue to make sure you are eating whole foods. I actually worked with a company called Athletic Greens and they are pre-probiotics and they have, you know, digestive enzymes in it. I always say this to everybody, if you do not exhaust all opportunities to get as much plants in your diet, then you are not doing yourself justice to even get that supplement. And that's, on the, that's across the board. If you do not try to get as much protein in your day, why are you taking a protein supplement? Because you're just taking it easier. Any supplement is a supplement. It is an addition to your whole foods. It is not a meal replacement. And that's what I always pretty clear about. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Athletic Greens as well. So I, I could totally agree. Um, you, you talked about the mood thing too. And I don't want to skip over that because I think that's another piece where like in, in, I'd love to hear your just general thoughts or, or philosophy on this, but um, we run into a lot of people over the years with coaching that have been prescribed antidepressants, for yeah. example, or anxiety medication, whatever it is. And I've seen people through 
eating the right diet, whether that's quantity or quality or a combination of both usually, um, focusing on healthier habits, managing stress, strength training, do these things slowly but surely be able to remove antidepressants. And I've seen it countless times. The hard part is I can't bring somebody on and say, hey, I'm gonna help you remove those because that's completely out of my scope of practice. But speaking about past experiences, I've seen it. So is that something that you're passionate about or that you see as well? And this is potentially a route to actually help people avoid needing something like that? Yeah, man, like I'm big on mental health. I just see it being, particularly, you know, being a guy, man, and I see a lot of people um, you know, in our age bracket, like they have to have like a, a mask on to, and it's totally, I totally get it. Like you've got, we've got these egos as alpha males and all that kind of thing. So anything that I can do in this area, I'm a big advocate for. And it's obviously both genders. So, and what, what I do say is there's a, there's a huge, there's a huge commonality around health and wellness and looking after our mental state. But also it can be a detriment if we uh, go down a path of focusing on the negatives. You know, I don't look that good. Um, you know, I don't feel great. I, you know, getting bad skin and all these kind of things that are pretty consistent and, you know, can lead to some traumatic experiences. I know that food is a beautiful, powerful resource in our life in that it is something that we actually require, but the idea of sitting down at a dinner table with those who are closest to you is one of the most beneficial, emotionally rewarding times because there's the food aspect to it, but that bringing people together creates social interaction. You ask, actually speak to like, I'm like, hey, Cody, rather than asking you about your day, I'm like, mate, let's talk about, you know, what are you actually up to lately? And you actually, you actually instead of having the passing go conversation as if you're walking down the street and passing a mate, you actually sit down and converse. And so I think the power of food to me, going beyond nutrition, for example, is it allows people to stop, sit down, enjoy and eat. And that's why it was important to me to earlier talking about why like hormones and, and all that is, is very relevant. But like with athletes, it's so important for them to stop and just enjoy because that is the rewarding factor. Italians, they live to eat. And that is something that I love to abide by. And then again, to go into the nutritional side of it. Yes, when we eat, we actually light up certain areas of our brain. And that's the serotonin endorphins that we get as a result. And those benefits. Serotonin is known as the happy hormone. And when you light that up, when it's present, when it is consistent throughout the week, we know that it has a fantastic benefit across the board in looking after our health. Not only like yeah, sleep, which as those who are shift workers, we know struggle with sleep and more likely to commit suicide, unfortunately. That is just statistically proof. But sleep is something that we can benefit from through having more serotonin throughout the day. And that's huge. So that's just one, one aspect to it. And there's many other things like endorphins and what they bring, uh, elation, you know, oxytocin again, like all these wonderful, happy, beneficial, emotional feedback mechanisms from eating food. Uh, and that's why it's important to enjoy it. Now, I know that a lot of that is the digestive process like we've been talking about. Is there any evidence or, or anything that you use to educate people on basically the exact opposite of like how processed junk, fast food, like those kind of things can have the opposite effect or maybe suppress those hormones or, or even what's going on with like, you know, if you eat a cookie, maybe you do have a dopamine kick or something. You're like, no, I feel great when I have a cookie. I'm really happy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we know that's not long-term. We know that doesn't consistently stay. Um, sure. And this is where like, you have to educate people on like, obviously like 
you know, this healthy food long-term will continue to make you happier that this cookie is going to be, give you happiness for 15 seconds. But um, is there any science or any practical education that you give people on, on that side of things? Yeah, look, there's, I don't know the, I don't have any study in front of me. Uh, what I can say that like insulin, uh, diabetes type three is known as Alzheimer's, right? And we know that a buildup of, um, you know, having too much insulin in the blood and, not, and becoming insulin resistant through, you know, simple sugars can result in Alzheimer's. And Alzheimer's not only is detrimental to our obviously neurodegenerative disease option, but at the same time, it also causes inflammation, which has an impact on how we produce hormones. And the same goes for, um, you know, our fat control, our glands. A lot of the, like, the, the glands that we look after, the production of our, our hormones can be directly affected if you're not eating the right things. So specifically, I don't have the studies in front of me to say this study proved, but if, you, if we look at the research of what jobs and roles of the right foods are meant to do versus the, the, what the bad foods do do, we build up the wrong ones. It's, it's clear night and day that obviously these have a direct link on our ability to perform and move through our hormonal um, you know, production. Yeah, I think there's actually even, you had Sean Stevenson on your podcast. Yes, recently, yeah. Right? Um, I want to say it's in his new book that he talks about, like, I mean, there's even research that shows you burn less calories on a daily basis by eating junk because of the digestive process. Fucking amazing, bro. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Cause like people, like, that's why calories don't equal calories to an extent. Like, you know, his, his work's amazing what he's done there. And there's, there's others that also, um, I know in listening to and working with Andrew Huberman, he's an amazing neuroscientist. He talks about all the time is, how efficiently your your the gut brain access and how your gut breaking down certain nutrients and actually how efficiently it's used by the brain. So if you're using shit food, it's not efficiently used by the brain, which extends to everything else that goes on inside of you. So um, it's amazing how again how the gut and the brain are so connected, but how like having shit food has such an adverse effect on how we perform. Yeah, and I think you know to, to at least in in my world, in my opinion there's this like balance to be had between the two, you know, like if it fits your macros came out and then every, the, it, it just swung too hard. And now it's only macros that matter. And even just, if I have never read a research paper or a review or anything, I, it, to me, it just does it. Like, why would I think a sweet potato does the same thing in my body as a pop tart? You know, it's just calories for calories. is not the same. It can't be. It's, you just can't be man. And like, it's, it's yes. The idea of what a calorie is meant to do, but if you gave, I can't remember this specific study. It was done. It was done in the UK. It was also one that was done in uh, actually the same one you're talking about by Sean Stevenson. It was talking not by him, but the one he referred to. And it was talking about comparing two groups of people under the same calorie density, um, and one with whole food versus not. And it was amazing the results of like firstly sleep, uh, actual energy expenditure afterwards everything that was just all in obviously the whole foods um, system. It was just, it was amazing. Those people had, they lost more weight, uh, but gained more lean muscle. And I was like, fuck, well, I'm done. <laughs> Mic drop. Uh, Mic drop. You know, it, and it, it always, it's funny to me too. Like the last thing I'll say on this is the P, a lot of times these, these people who have amazing bodies, amazing physique, they look like they're extremely healthy and everything. And they probably are. And they talk about this, you know, like calories in versus calories out. And that's all that matters. I think it's a cop-out because it's a very simple answer to give because they don't know the deeper science. 
But if, if you ask them what their diet looks like, they don't eat much junk food, right? If you ask these elite athletes who even say like, oh, I eat a high protein, high carb diet. It fuels my performance. This is like my macros. And you look at their diet. They're not eating Twinkies and Pop-Tarts. They're eating real food. Like, so it's, it, it to me, it's, it's use your common sense. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people don't, but I think that um, you're another great example of that. You take, and this is what I love about how you're doing this is you're taking so many different things into consideration to prepare one meal, you know, meal by meal, day by day for these athletes. That's, that's really what it's about. It's amazing. And, and I think one of the biggest takeaways so far that, that I think people really, because I mean, if you've listened to podcasts, which is really cool for me to hear, um, we talk a lot about nutrition and all these different aspects of fat loss and muscle growth performance. But one thing we rarely ever, if ever talk about is slowing down and, and breaking down food properly. Like, and that is such a big takeaway because I think it does more than people realize. It seems so simple, but I think it goes a long way. Yeah, man. Like, I think one of the actually, what I loved actually, you, you referenced it earlier. I think it was on QA, QA. So, you're talking about like someone who's having a, if you fits your macros, and, you know, they generally speaking and talking about protein, fats, and carbs. So, you can have the same macros eating white rice, chicken. And what did you say? You said that that's all well and good, but it doesn't contain that many micronutrients, right? So, yes, if it fits your macros, accounts for your proteins, your macro, like your water as well, which is also a macronutrient. But you're not talking about your micronutrients. And I think right now we're going through this new evolution where everyone's talking, was talking about the protein, fats, and carbs. And now it's a case of like, oh, there's other nutrients that we should be also, you know, being so focused on. Just because they're called micro does not mean they're not as just as mighty, if not more important. For those listening in, protein is protein. In order for it to do its job, it needs the micronutrients to get it to where it needs to be and then also be activated for it to do its job. If you just ate protein straight, just chicken breast with broccoli even, like that in itself is not enough. You need a diversity for each nutrient to be doing its thing. And so if it fits your macros is great if you're accounting for whole foods because then you'll know you are having plenty of different colors, all the micronutrients that are there to support you, the potassium, the manganese, the magnesium, like magnesium and calcium are huge and super important and in a metabolic pathway and we are not having anything like that is talking about it when it comes to the macro so i loved hearing that on your q a touch point bro and, and yeah it's, it's so important to talk about absorption versus uh you know actual uh, intake and, and one we use quite commonly is unfortunately the western diet these days is very acidic and what happens with having an acidic diet we expel acid through our urine. So like all the foods that we may be thinking we're gonna be taking in. So dairy, for example, is quite acidic. Now I'm not saying that I'm against dairy. I'm not saying I don't actually have much dairy personally. I'm more plant, no, I'm not plant-based directly, but I don't have a lot of dairy in itself, right? But for those who do have it as an example, hopefully you're not having other things that are also very acidic, which can be a lot of animal meat. Like a lot of people who are keto are going to struggle to absorb their nutrients as efficiently because if you had broccoli, which also has a bit of, uh, is actually more alkaline than acidic and, and calcium. And for those who are not listening, I've got two hands here right now. Right? <laughs> one's lower, one's higher. They both have uh, a certain amount of calcium, right? So you've got say dairy milk top over here, broccoli down below. They both have a certain amount of calcium in it. Once you consume the same amount, unfortunately, because the dairy is so acidic, you're gonna pee most of it out. Whilst broccoli, you may have had less of it, but it's, you actually take on more calcium. You absorb more of the calcium due to the fact that it's less acidic. So it's pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah, I think that's, and that's, 
you know, there was a, uh, a pyramid of importance made way back for, uh, mainly for bodybuilding and body composition changes. And it went mm. you know, calories, macros, micros, meal timing. And I think it's great in principle for bodybuilders, because if you are trying to get shredded, you, you can't get shredded if you don't know where your macros are. You just can't, or your calories. However, I think you made a really good point of like, I think even nutrient timing matters, but nutrient timing, micronutrients matter in order to get the most out of those calories and macros, right? So if you want those calories and macros to work for you, you have to diversify. And they even did a study. It was, it was a flexible dieting study, and it was basically like a meal plan versus flexible dieting. The good thing about the flexible dieting is that it wasn't if it fits your macros, fit a bunch of junk in. It was just eat whatever you want, whole foods mainly, fit it to your macros, and then this meal plan that was very rigid, no variation – and the health markers were better on the flexible dieting because they were allowed to have very a variety, right? So they, even if it was healthy food on the meal plan, at least they're not eating blueberries every day. And that's the only fruit they're eating, right? They're eating <laughs> kiwis or bananas or whatever. And I think that's, that's a really important aspect of the whole picture. Oh, bro. If you had too much broccoli in your life, you would overdose on whatever broccoli, uh, you know, micronutrient is. Like there's, there's, there was a really funny meme that was out there. Someone's like, yo guys, kale, as much of a superfood is, I've had too much of it. I've now got too much of something called like gargoyen or something like that. And so it was pretty funny because the whole kale superfood super movement was, uh, yeah. it, it is, it's great, but it's like at the end of the day, you can't have too much of anything. I love that. Um, I, I do want to ask you about supplements in general. We talked about, you know, whole foods over supplements in most cases. Are there any mm-hmm. supplements that you still include in your athletes' diets, in your diet, things like that? Yeah, man. So athletic greens is, is something I've, I've, before I was actually working with them, man, I was, I was actually a customer. So I've, I've been consuming it every single day for about five years now. So first thing in the morning, um, cold, I get my pre, my pro and my postbiotics from it. So I'm a big fan of that. But I also know that throughout the day, I'm going to be having plenty of plants, plenty of um, right whole foods, eggs, you know, chicken, fish, wherever it needs to be. So like anything that works is, is I know for my body, whatever works for me, it works for me. And so I also, with that supplement, actually take a vitamin D3, particularly being in New York. I know that I'm going to get less sun in the wintertime. So I take that vitamin D3. Um, it's a little droplet and I just add a little drop to that. Other than that, um, depending on my workouts, when I've got a really hectic couple of days, I'll add protein to my day, just a super natural one. Nothing too super, nothing too hectic about it. But other than that, the same thing for athletes. Like we... We have athletes who um, got a couple of NHL players, right? So like their turnaround time and, and like particularly right now with COVID because they've gone from being shut down to them having already a short season to then having their seasons, uh, like they can't play for two weeks, which means they have to have makeup games. They're playing constantly. So we have to find out ways that we can be efficient in getting food to them to recover quick enough that they go to the next game, even if it's like the next day, uh, which is always an interesting challenge. And sometimes supplements are the best way to do that just because it's easy to digest, easy to absorb. Um, they can get back out on the ice or whatever. So what I will say is like supplements are great. I'm all advocate for them and you can do everything from right through to L-cartine, you know, all those specific ones, I think the ones I would focus on are something like an athletic greens or, uh, and also addition of protein. Outside of that, like BCAAs only have shown in the studies that I've seen to actually benefit in reduction of inflammation and soreness, which is obviously something you want to look at, but it doesn't add any extra value to um, gains in the gym or on the field. It's more a case of reducing inflammation. So I would focus on whole food style supplementation such as something that's been a dehydrated or freeze-dried ingredient uh, such as um 
you know, plants, vegetables, and fruits. Uh, and then at the same time, maybe addition of a protein wherever needed. Would you say that like, this would be an accurate checklist? I'm just trying to think of like everything you've said. It's like, rather than supplementation besides vitamin D, which I agree with, because I mean, I mean, we were just talking about those. I'm in Seattle. So same thing. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> besides that, would you agree with, uh, I mean, basically variety in your diet, plenty of greens, uh, mixed fruit. And if you're chewing your food and digesting properly, you actually probably shouldn't need much more else. Maybe fish oil if you're not eating any fatty fish in your diet. Yeah, bro, you pretty much nailed it on the head, man. It's like, at the end of the day, if you know, if you reflect on your week and go, fuck, I had plenty of color this week and I feel pretty full, I feel feel fine. Like if I'm going to, if I'm digesting everything, going to bowel movements and correct and accurate, yeah, you've got nothing to worry about. It becomes this thing where we feel a part of this, um, like the movement I feel in the fitness world is amazing, but also it can add pressure. It's like back like 20, 30 years ago when like magazine covers became a problem because everyone wanted to be one, but also anyone who wasn't one was like in some way uh, alienated. So I want people to know it's like, it, you don't have to supplement. You may not actually have to supplement. If you, if you know your training is up to it, or if you know that you're unable to get even stuff to perform throughout the day, like, you know, Cody and I just talking about vitamin D, like, it's totally fine to not supplement. It's only when you need it to get there. And to, to know when you need it is when you look at your day and you're either tired, energetic, or a lack of energy, or you're not getting enough colorful ingredients on your plate. But um, yeah, the, the most the most common one I would always suggest to people is when you're like Cody and I in a darker climate, not getting enough sun, just get a vitamin D supplement and particularly make sure it's vitamin D3. It's, if it's any other vitamin D, your body's not gonna absorb it because it's the one that we actually work with. I love it. I love it, man. I think it's you know, it's the, the best thing for people to take from that too is, or, or to realize with that advice, you've probably had this complaint too, like trying to plan out your diet does take time. Buying supplements does cost money, buying whole foods, local, all that stuff costs money. But I see these people complain about that and then spend a hundred dollars a month on supplements. So it's, it's one of those things <laughs> where it's like, let's tone down the supplement bill and sometimes even more than that, you know, so let's tone down the supplement bill and focus on this first. And, you know, if you are an elite athlete who does need creatine and some carbohydrates because you're going from game to game, or whatever, like that stuff comes in after this checklist is done. You know, I think that's, I think that's a perfect way of saying it. Um, man, uh, we got to wrap up, but I think I, I feel like I could keep going on and on with you. We talked about a few different things. I could probably do a podcast on multiple just single topics that we talked Absolutely. about so this has been a blast dude um, but before we go i want you to let us know like the title of your book so people can check those out where to find your books um any links for your content anything like that so i can drop all that in the show notes of this show yeah so guys uh best best place is dan underscore church on instagram you can head just head to the website danchurch.com you'll see everything there and uh just like um, this podcast, which you should subscribe to. If you're not subscribed to this podcast yet, make sure you hit the subscribe button and leave a review because Cody and I and the team always appreciate that. My podcast is called The Epic Table and you can just put in Dan Church and we'll find it there. Love it. I love it, man. Thank you so much. I'm going to put all that in the show notes. And, and again, dude, I appreciate your time. This has been a blast. Dude, anytime, bro. We, we, can, uh, we can hang out anytime.